0: Our scripture reading is 1 John 4, 7 through 12, or your pew bible is 1304. Again, 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. if God so loved us, we also we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord.
1: If you have a copy of God's word this morning, would you take it and turn with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 our scripture reading this morning, you heard read John's letter to the church that talks about the results of what we're we're focusing on in the sermon this morning, and that is the love of God and how that love is to be given to us and lived out through us uh, in our relationships with each other. This morning, I want to bring us to consider and uh, focus on for just these few moments the love of God for us. If you are a believer in this room this morning, let me just say that what we're going to do for the next few moments is to reflect for a bit on the gospel. We're going to reflect on the good news of Jesus Christ and what He has done for us through His own Son. So I want to invite you with me to just joy in, glory in, praise our great God for the good news of Jesus Christ. If by chance this morning you've come into this place and you don't know the Lord Jesus and someone invited you or you just came in here because you wanted to be a part of a church or or be a part of uh, uh, some tradition in your own family, then I want to invite you, would you listen perhaps more carefully than you've ever listened to a verse that if you've ever been around church, you probably know. John 3.16 is a verse that most people have heard. Many, many of you could quote it in different versions of the Bible. I could probably quote it for you in about four different versions. I learned it first in the King James Version, and it's hard for me to go beyond that. But then I learned it in the New King James, and then I learned it in the NIV, and now I preach out of the ESV. So if I misquote it, please forgive me. It's probably a compilation of one of those translations this morning. Let me set the scene for you in John chapter 3. At the end of John chapter 2, Jesus had made a statement that he knew what was in man. And then we have a series of conversations that Jesus has with people that that reveal his knowledge of what is in man. Here in John chapter 3, a man named Nicodemus, the Bible calls him a ruler of the Jews, probably uh, one of the Pharisees or Sadducees or scribes, someone in the Sanhedrin, comes to Jesus... And asks him a question. Jesus knows the real question that he is going to or wants to ask. And so in verse 3 of John chapter 3, Jesus answers the question of Nicodemus' heart. And he says to him, unless you are born again, you will never see the kingdom of God. Now, we know that this conversation must really get to the heart of what's going on in Nicodemus because over in chapter 7, Nicodemus is going to speak in Jesus' defense. And in chapter 19, Nicodemus comes with Joseph of Arimathea to bury Jesus. So Nicodemus has come to know, I believe, Jesus as the Son of God. The point of the text, though, in John chapter 3 and of this conversation is this, that God loves you so you can believe in him because he loves you and has given his own son. Now you can be born again. You can have new life. You can have eternal life. Whatever your life is today in whatever state that you have come into this place this morning, I want you to know this morning we celebrate and we meet as a church because of the new life that has come to us in Christ. We learn then as Jesus is teaching Nicodemus in verses 9 and following, we learn about God and the gospel the good news good news for Nicodemus good news for you and for me and so i want to take this verse john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life and i just want to walk through that verse with us this morning and see what do we learn about our god What do we learn about the gospel? I want to make three statements to you with the idea that these three statements have the motive and the purpose that John has in writing his gospel, and that is so that you will believe. And as I mentioned a while ago, If you don't believe in Christ as your Savior, if you've never come to Him and given Him your life, my purpose today is to open up the gospel to you, to help you to understand the simple gospel of Jesus Christ with the idea that you would give your life to Him. But if you know Him today, my goal is that your belief would grow, that you would just rest in that belief, that you would remind yourself of the gospel, In church, we need to do so often. And so I make three statements to us out of this text this morning to remind us of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his great love to us. Statement number one, you are loved more than you could have ever dreamed. You are loved more than you could have ever dreamed. Friends, this verse starts off speaking to us about our God. For God so loved the world. Church, you know this. Our world has a great lack of love. Oh, we see signs everywhere of love. We see people saying all we need is love. We see people putting hearts on all kinds of things, from text messages to billboard signs. We see all kinds of love in our world, and we know what we need is love. But friends, in our world, you look around and you know there's a lack of it. As a matter of fact, I would not hesitate to say that there are many of you sitting here this morning that truth be told, you've spent time this week hurting Wondering, does anyone love me? Not feeling loved at all. With all of our talk of love, with love symbols everywhere around, it's easy for us to feel like we're not loved. If we look around the darkness of our world and the evil and the hate and the, the uh, tendency toward war, the tendency toward hurting one another, the idea that we attack one another whether verbally or even physically or just emotionally, the idea that our world has a lack of love, I believe you know very well. Some of you could look back on your life and wonder, am I loved? Some of you cry out to God, God, why do I not have the love that I see in them? Why do I not have the love that I think they have? Let me clue you in on something. There are people all over the world that feel the darkness of the world. They feel the darkness of evil and hate and wickedness. And the Bible says you need to hear the clear message from our God, you are loved. If you came into this place this morning and you were to say to me, pastor, I'm just not sure. I know that you say that I'm loved, but I don't feel loved. Look at my life. Can I show you what has happened in my life? Can I show you the pain that I've suffered? I would affirm with you, there is sin in our world. There is much hurt in our world. There are sinners because there is sin and there is wickedness because there are sinners and you are not loved by many in the world. But the one thing that I know and will say, stand on and will preach to the day that I die is that you are loved. Friends, this morning, if you've come in here and you've never experienced love in your life, perhaps God has brought you to this place today to hear that one statement. You are loved more than you could have ever dreamed for God so loved the world. Don't leave here today without knowing that there is a God in heaven who loves you. He loves you. And he invites you to come to him because of that great love. Strikes me this morning as I was preparing for this message, even in my office this morning, I said, you know, we talk about love. We see the signs of love everywhere. Do we even know what love is? Years ago, I wrote a definition of love that I'll just share with you again this morning. And then say, whatever you think love is, Whatever you've heard love is, whatever someone showed you, if that's the case, that you learn from somebody that says, I love you, and there are all kinds of things that we could learn about love, let me tell you that I believe love is a selfless and enduring commitment of your will to care about and benefit another person. It's selfless in that it's not self-serving. When you say you love someone and it's because of the benefits you gain, that's not true love. Our God loves us. And he loves us with a selfless and enduring commitment it is not here today gone tomorrow our God never changes so when I say you are loved I'm saying that you are loved by the one who created you who selflessly loves you in a way that he would give his own son you are loved in a in an enduring way he will not ever we don't have to wonder will we get 10,000 years 100,000 years a million years into eternity and our God say you know what I don't think I love you anymore Our God loves us. And he has a commitment to care about and benefit you by righteous, truthful, and compassion, thoughts, words, and actions. Friends, you are loved by God. For God so loved the world. Now, let me just make one statement theologically to you out of this this morning. John is making a statement to a Jewish ruler and he is making a statement that says it is it is opposed to anything the Jews were teaching in Jesus' day. And they, they were teaching, for God so loves the Jews. For God so loves the children of Abraham. And here Jesus, the Son of God in the flesh comes and he says, oh no my friends, God from the beginning has loved the world. God chose Abraham not so that he can make the Jews great so that he could just win one people. He chose Abraham and said I'm going to make you a great nation so that through you I can bless the nations. Friends, that's us this morning. God so loved the world. If you're in the midst of sin today and you feel trapped by it, listen to the word of God. You are loved. If you feel like no one knows who you are and you're all alone in your life, you need to listen to the word of God. You are loved. But the Bible doesn't stop there. There's a second statement that I want to make here. And it's this. Not only you're loved more than you could ever have dreamed. Secondly, you have been given a gift that is more valuable than you could have ever dreamed. You have been given a gift that is more valuable than you could have ever dreamed. My mother loves Christmas. And I think that's probably where I get my love of Christmas. And one of the things that she loves about Christmas is the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. I haven't watched it this year, and I'm going to be in trouble because I've not yet watched It's a Wonderful Life this year because mom has one requirement at Christmas, and as we always watch, It's a Wonderful Life. As a matter of fact, we talked to her uh, back on Thanksgiving, and I think she texted us back and said, I'm sitting here watching It's a Wonderful Life because Thanksgiving kicks off the Christmas season for her. In that movie, which many of you know, and by the way, one of the classic movies of Christmas, as a matter of fact, in most other Christmas movies, if there's ever a television in any recent Christmas movie, it's playing the the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Just notice that. In that movie, Clarence, who plays an angel that has come to George, he says to George this, you have been given a gift. Many of you know the gift that he was given. George was given the gift that he says, uh, Clarence says to him, you have been able to see what the world is like without you. And I want to say to you this morning that you have been given a gift and you need to look at it this morning. If I were to hand you a gift, and I love giving gifts, as I've already shown you or told you this Christmas, if I were to give you a gift, there are two things that you would have to do. You would have to take that gift and receive it and open it. But this morning, what I want to say to you is that second phrase in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave. The word so there in John chapter 3 can have two meanings. It can mean, uh, like we normally say it, I love you so much. But when you say, I love you so much, you have to say, I love you so much that... There has to be some reason for the so. This word in our English translations can be taken that way. God loved you so much that he gave. Or it may be read as an indication of demonstration. For God so loved. Here is how God loved. He gave his only son. Either way, and I believe the text could mean both. Either way, what you and I need to hear this morning is that the love of God is so great that he would not count his own son too high a price to pay for your redemption. Let me say that again. God loves you. And he loves you so much that he would not count his one and only son's life too high a price to pay for your redemption. That's how much you are loved. That's what John chapter 3 verse 16 wants to tell you this morning. God loves you so much that he gave his only son. God loves you in this way. He gave his one and only son. Friends, you have received a gift that is far more valuable than anything you will receive around the tree this year. You have received a gift that is far more valuable than anything money could ever buy. You have received a gift that is far more valuable than anything you could have ever dreamed. You have been given an opportunity this morning to see that gift. Friends, we celebrate Christmas and we give gifts because of This gift, because of the gift the Father gave to us. God gave His own Son. God gave His own Son. Jesus gave His life. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8 God shows His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. First John chapter 4, you heard it read just a moment ago, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His Son into the world that we might live through Him. Friends, we have been given a gift. You have been given a gift that is more valuable than you could have ever dreamed, and it is the Son of God. The very Son of very God came to this earth for you. We don't just celebrate the birth of a baby because babies being born is a wonderful thing. We celebrate the birth of a baby because it was God in the flesh that came to die for you. God the Father gave his son, Jesus the Son gave his life. And so let me just say to you, 1 John chapter 4, just for a moment. Those of us who are celebrating the gospel together this morning, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you this Christmas to think about the love that God had for you. Just rest in that. Meditate on that. And then, as 1 John 4 says, then you love others. We are never more like Jesus than when we love, and that love drives us to give. And that love drives us to give Extravagantly, I mentioned last week for just a moment the fact that we have changed in our gift-giving in our culture. And I don't mean to step on any toes because many of you are probably already well done with your Christmas gifts and you're ready for Christmas. But isn't it strange that we uh, give differently than we ever have? And I want to make this statement this morning not to get you to change what you're giving for Christmas, But I want to make this statement to glorify our God, and that is this. Have you ever noticed that gifts are more of a reflection of the giver than they are of the one who receives? Gifts are more of a reflection of the giver than they are of the one who receives. And God gave his son, and it's a reflection of his character, of his love. He so loved you, he loved you this way, that he gave his son. What you give is a reflection of you. I spend more time thinking about what I could give my wife than I do anybody else. I spend a lot of time thinking about what I could give my children because I love to surprise them and I want to give them something that they need or desire. I want to please them with the gift. So I spend more time there thinking about, studying, going to uh, great lengths to find out how can I give this without you knowing? How can I give this without you uh, knowing? Or with you knowing then in the gift that I love you because I know that the gift is a reflection on the giver. In this case, the love of God is reflected in the way that he gave his son. That's what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 5. God demonstrated his love. It's what John's saying in First John chapter 4. God's love was made manifest. It was shown in him giving his son. God's gift was his son. And friends, our penalty was paid By that son. He didn't just give his son. Listen. He didn't just give his son to be a good example for you. He didn't give his son so that you would know how to live. He gave His Son so that you would not have to die. And the only way that He could give His Son so that you would not have to die is He sent His Son to become a baby in a manger to grow up and go to a Roman cross where He would shed His blood and die and give His life so that you might have eternal life. God's gift is shown to us not only in the manger, it's shown to us in the cross. And so this morning, I want you to know that the gift of God was one who would come and die in your place to pay the penalty for sin. As a matter of fact, if you read on verses 17 through 19, talk about the fact that God didn't come into the world to condemn you. There are people that think, oh, if God were to see my life, He's just waiting to condemn me. He's just judging me. Jesus says, I didn't come into the world to condemn you. I came into the world to save you. You were condemned already by your own sin. I came to save you from that sin. I came to save you from the penalty of sin. And so Jesus, friends, came out of great love for you so that you might have life. God sent his son so that you could know you're loved. God sent his son so that you wouldn't have to pay the price for your own sin, but that you could accept that gift of our great God, which brings us to the third statement. Not only are you loved more than you could have ever dreamed. Not only have you received a gift of more value than you could have ever dreamed. But thirdly, you must receive the gift. You must receive it. Friends, the Bible talks about this all the way through. God sent his son to die. Praise the Lord. But it has no effect on you unless you receive the gift. If I were to get a gift from out, out from under the tree on Christmas morning and give it to my wife or one of my children, and they were to say, thank you for the gift, and then put it back under the tree and go on with their life, they would never experience the benefits of that gift. Friends, this morning, what I want to ask you to do is, would you open the gift that our God has given you? Would you tear the paper off and open the box and find that you are loved, that you have received a gift, and would you accept it? That's what John chapter 3 says to us. Look at it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Friends, to accept the gift this morning, the Bible uses one word here in John chapter 3, believe. Do you want to receive the gift of our Savior? Then you must believe. The word believe in the New Testament has two sides to the same coin as the word repentance. Jesus says to us, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Peter is asked, how can we be saved? He says, repent. And believe, Friends, you and I must come to the Lord and belief implies repentance. To believe in something that you've never trusted before. To trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You must stop trusting what you have trusted to this point. You must stop trusting yourself. You must stop trusting yourself to be better. To earn God's favor. To stand before Him and say, I've done more good than I've done bad. To stand before the Lord and say, I'll stand on my own merit. You must repent of that. You must repent of trust in you, and you must begin to trust in Him. And if you will not do that, then it's like God has given you the greatest gift that you could ever dream of getting, of more value than you could ever imagine. It's eternal life that He's given you, and you've held that gift and said, thank you, but I'm going to put it back under the tree. And this morning, I want to ask you, would you unwrap the gift? Would you receive the gift that He's given you? This past week, I've had a couple of conversations With my insurance company, some of you remember a couple of months ago back in September, our refrigerator flooded our kitchen and they came in and they did their uh, water damage control and dried out our kitchen. And now it's been in September and the water damage company is calling us saying, hey, we need payment. We need payment. And I said, well, we put a claim in on that. And I called my insurance agent about a month ago, and he said, yes, we're putting the check in the mail. It's coming from Durham, so it may, come, may, you know, it may uh, take a week to get there. And I said, I can walk to Durham and back in a week. And he said, no, and it may take a week to get out there, and that's fine. That was a week, by the way, was uh, two weeks ago Friday. So I called him on Wednesday of this week, and I said, hey, the, the company's calling me again. Have you sent the check? Oh, yes, it's in the mail. And I said, it was in the mail two weeks ago. And uh, so we have played phone tag at the end of the week, and I am a victim of the checks in the mail right now. I've got somebody needing a check from them that's supposed to be written to me and this company, and uh, this company's wanting their money. And I'm thinking, man, yes, the check's in the mail. Boy, I need to get that check. It's like somebody saying, hey, I I got you a present for Christmas. I mailed it to you. Did you get it? No, I haven't gotten it yet. Friends, this morning, if you're not willing to receive the gift, God didn't open a a check or a letter and put a check in it and send it to you and it's not there. He demonstrated His love and now He says, will you accept it? Will you accept it? Will you open the present? Will you believe in Him? Will you turn from what you're trusting in right now and turn to Jesus? So here's my question. is twofold. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know He loves you? Do you know that He's loved you so much that He gave His life? That the Father loves you so much that He gave His one and only Son? Some of you this morning would have to be honest and you would say, Oh, I know that. I've heard it all my life. So my last question would be this. Have you unwrapped the gift? Have you received it? Oh, he sent it and it's here. It's just a matter of will you receive it?